Welcome everyone to this week's edition of Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk. I am your host, Chris O'Mealy. Joined, of course, by Dan Peck. Hey, this is Dan Peck from Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk, and you're listening to Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk. We did the wrong drop, Jesus. Whoops. You know, it would probably help if you and I did promos for the other CKCC radio shows, but then one of them's going to have to step up and do one for us. One of them, one of y'all, you know who I'm talking about. Or if you don't know who I'm talking about, hey, let's uh, let's mention who we could be talking about. Oh, that's a ham-fisted. <laughs> so, CKCC radio here on Podbean. Also available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can check out up to 10 individual shows on our channel. Including, but not limited to, because other stuff might be coming. Two shows by published author Jeff Trelowitz. In one show, Real Paranormal Talk, he tells his real-life stories of being a paranormal investigator. And just released another episode with real-life evidence that he has captured, and he leaves it up to you to interpret what is going to be paranormal and what could be proven to be anything common. A new ranking tracks is on its way out. Jeff is going to do Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, and I'm going to join him for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ooh. And that's going to be... A, it's going well, to be... I represent a- my, my thoughts as well. Because you know my thoughts on that album. Yes, and I, I have a feeling we're all going to agree on what goes at the end of the list. And here we're going to start with The Cure for the Itch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested to see what he picks as number one, because I'm not sure his number one would be the same as mine. But we shall see. Uh, Jay I Bunny's... have no idea what my, my list for that would be, because this is literally just the one song I don't like. And even I still do kind of like it. That's the thing. Like, but yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a tough list. But I'm, I think I know what I'm gonna go with. But it's gonna be his list. I'm just gonna chime in on it. Uh, Jay Bunny's Music Hub with Jason Shin just released another new episode. So I know we've been doing a lot of backlog lately, but uh, his newest episode is actually the official forty fifth episode, forty five. That was uh, Bob Bardot from One Step from Falling was the newest episode that we just released. So you can hear episodes 40 through 45 as well as a pretty decent collection of backlog right now as we've been continuing to upload those for Mr. J. Bunny's Music Hub. Of course, as you know, the first Monday of every month is Motivational Moves with Adrian Cotton. July 1st will be falling on a Wednesday, so get yourself ready for a Wednesday morning motivation. How to prepare yourself for the month. Jay Winger and company, especially Chris and Zeke, keep popping up here with their Bored to Death binge cast, currently doing Mobile Suit Gundam. So if you're an anime fan, that could be a really fun show to check out for you guys. Uh, The United We Fan podcast with Mark and Brian just... Became the number one listened to podcast on CKCC Radio. Newest episode dealing with the Star Wars prequels, which Dan and I have talked about in depth. About how the prequels are not that bad. 
And this is a really fun episode, sort of echoing a lot of statements you and I have said before. So I was very interested in the episode and agreed with like 95% of what they said. Well, not after what Dave Filoni said on the freaking. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 The, like, uh, that's adds like a whole extra. And the, layer, enti- uh, the entire, the entire finale is just them geeking out over Star Wars lore. Perfect. It's like the last 10 minutes of that one episode is just him talking about by the, the way, importance of the... Where are you on Clone Wars, by the way? Because I'm about to finish season four. And... I'm in the midst of season one. It's been like a couple of weeks since yeah. I watched that episode. But, oh my God, season four starts off so bad that I'm just like, I gotta muscle through this. And, it, and it's ending on... Like, some of the best episodes I've seen on the whole series. And I'm just like, oh my god, I, this show is picking up big time. And I'm super... I, I only there have... was a season amount like that. Where there was... Yeah, it's probably season four. There's like two three-parters right away that are kind of kind of meh. And you're just like, oh, this is dragging on. And then you get to the another three-parter that involves... We'll just say it involves bounty hunters. And you're just like, oh my god, this is friggin' awesome. So... And then, of course, the Race Nerd Podcast with Matt Hardman. And he actually just uh, sparked a discussion from me. I was enjoying listening to uh, some of his early NASCAR memories. And I was just like, this is cool because I remember my first race was Pocono. And I'm pretty sure it was either this or next month back in 1994. Jeff Bodine and Ward Burton were the pole position people. And they also finished first and second. So they started first and second and finished first and second. Richard Petty was about to retire. Jeff Gordon was in his rookie year. Earnhardt Sr. Yeah, that was a good time for NASCAR. And of course, the stupid sexy podcast where me and Dan review every Simpsons ever. We're about to finish up season one. And then we're going to try to formulate a game plan to move forward with season two. So we can double time the episodes to come out so we're not... Once a week is going to be a killer. Chris Frank's universe will be returning as soon as I figure out which one, which of these projects I want to do next. Cause there's so many of them and they're all, they all seem like so much fun. I got to pick one and focus on it. All right. Those are your plugs. Eh, it's less than seven minutes. Anybody who fast forwarded, you're a dick. And uh, let's do some trivia real quick, Dan. Oh. Okay. Well, what is it? Well, I don't know when Brother Love debuted, so you have to tell me. <laughs> oh, when, when did Brother Love debut? Okay. Well, so at the end of an episode of Primetime Wrestling on June 13th, 1988, Bobby the Brain Heenan says, Hey, next week on this show, I'm going to introduce you to Brother Love. And they just go to a quick video of their love saying, I love you. Hmm. And the next week is when he officially has a full-on segment that went over awful in front of the live crowd. So that's June 13th or June 22nd. Maybe we should review. Primetime Wrestling. And we could review that whole episode for a future patron show. Maybe. Start looking for, like, stuff where people debuted. Yeah, we could do like a pretty much whole friggin' uh whole thing on that. But uh what do we got for this week's trivia, Dan? I don't know. What is it? Oh yeah. 
this one. <laughs> uh, you know, some some weeks I go look at title histories, and some weeks I what what what's in the news dictate. I'm like, oh, that person's in the news. What about something about that person? This is one of those because this person will come up later in the news segment. What was Garza Jr.'s or Angel Garza on Hell Garza ring name when he had a mask on? Junior? He's not even Garza Jr. Hector Garza was his uncle. It's like Rey Mysterio Jr. being Rey Mysterio Jr. His uncle was Rey Mysterio. Also, Hector Garza got kicked out of America for bringing steroids and then died a couple years later. Because <laughs> remember, he was like in the middle of like a TNA run, and then they're just like, well, Hector Garza isn't coming back because he got busted for steroids at the... And he's been exported back to Mexico. So I looked up the answer, and I'm uh, just like, that's actually kind of a cool name. It's yeah. a... Somewhat generic, but kind of cool. And of course, he also did the Umberto deal. For he was Angel. He was also Umberto. Because, you know, that's part of the name line. Well, when you're part of a legendary Lucia family. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna... I mean, just for example, if... My father was Bob Backlund, and my name was Pat. Mm-hmm. I would totally call myself Pat Backlund. Yeah. 100%. Just saying. Ginger fuck? What? All right. So, we at Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk and CKCC Radio, we don't try to comment on topical political stuff and things like that. Not because we don't have a stance or don't care, but we try to give you guys an entertainment escape from the real world. That's part of the point. Unfortunately, when one of the big discussions and big reveals and big scandals happens to do with wrestling, it kind of falls into our laps to at least say something about it, whether or not... You whatever stance you want to take, because there's uh, there's there are different stances you can take on it. I tend to be among the same as Dan, what we talked about before the show, in that we definitely believe you when you say stuff against people, but we also think that there are a small handful of stories that get blown out of proportion, and false allegations definitely need to be punished. So with that said, I'd like to say that uh, I'm sure everybody is not a rapist in wrestling, but I have a feeling that enough of them are that this definitely warrants a discussion. And duh, it's you can't defend scummy people for doing scummy things. You can't. And... David Starr appears to be the real star of this story, no pun intended. He is definitely the main name. And based on the screenshots and stories, I'm going to go ahead and say that one's probably true. I don't think there's any real doubt about that. You weigh in on that one, Dan? I think think everyone's pretty much in agreement that he's probably a scumbag. 
But Dan, say your part about the club, because I think that's something we need to consider. Well, I mean, there's a there's a few of them that seem, uh, as far as far as we know at this point, it seems like you know the guy was in a club or at a bar and he hit on somebody and they said no, and he was like, "Are you sure?" And they're like, "Yes, I'm sure." And now they're saying he's a scumbag. I tried to rape him or whatever. Yeah, that stuff. Those stories sometimes don't hold merit. The ones that, of course. When you start seeing some of the screenshots, and it's just like, and of course, then I've seen people be like, you know, you can easily fake stuff like that coming from numbers. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, but at the same time, I've also was firsthand experience with a wrestler we worked with in Northeast PA who hit on one of the guy's underage daughters and all that got screenshotted, and nobody was trying to claim fake on that one. We all cut ties with him, and his career's done. His social media is done. He's pretty much done. And that was 100% the right decision. So, yeah, I... In the time and effort it would take to fake a screenshot just to ruin someone's career, whereas you can easily just post shit like I don't think a lot of people are going to go to that trouble and the people who are would be vindictive and would get called out on it immediately which I know there's been like a couple of minor things like that on Twitter but for the most part it appears a lot of these are legitimate and some of these people are very scummy and I say get them the fuck out of the wrestling business don't let these people besmirch the wrestling business. And the business will survive. It survived the steroid scandal. It definitely survived the Benoit shit. And that almost brought down all of pro wrestling as a whole. Not just people like, uh, brought to, almost brought down WWE. No, it literally almost brought down all of no, pro like wrestling. No, like the rest of the year, like CNN, like every night would have like, oh, and here's Deborah talking about Steve Austin telling her he's going to fucking killer when he was high and on roid rage oh my god the and it freaking... was like oh and here's freaking you know mark marrow <laughs> mark marrow talking about abuse and use backstage and oh yeah they were so it was ridiculous it was it was the has been oh here's the no billy games. graham talking about how he he would have his wife inject him in the ass yeah, that was like every was night bad. on a on a news channel was like on the one of the talkie shows would be somebody like that on every night for like the rest of that year. And then you have somebody like Nancy Grace who actually acted pretty bipartisan and then the next time there was a wrestling scandal she just went after the whole business and it's just like yeah some of these journalists are just assholes and there's definitely going to be cases of people disproporting these stories to try and take down wrestling. So I encourage everybody to a believe victims because it's hard for these people to come forward. And when you see some of the reactions that they're getting, you understand why they don't come forward because they get harassed. I mean, Christ almighty, just look at Paige or Alexa bliss. Some of the most toxic fans I've ever seen who just harass the shit out of them. And then when they're like, oh, this 
person in particular said this, and people are like, well, why didn't you say anything sooner? And it's just like, because 20,000 friggin' people are being jerk-offs about it. Uh, but also, believe victims, for sure, but make sure you've got some concrete evidence before you just go around flapping your gums. And if you are a false... If you do create a false allegation and it's proven that it's false, don't let those people live that down. Make sure that they know how scummy they were for that. I'm all for false accusations get the punishment of a... 100%, yeah. Absolutely. Because that's... That the person would have gotten if they were made... If they were clean guilty. And of course, then I've also heard people say, well, then nobody will come forward because what if it's proven false? I'm like, no, no, no. There's a difference between between a case with legs on it that they just, that they rule in favor against you and somebody just being like, this guy tried to rape me. Okay, you got proof? Well, no. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a shitty thing, but... Uh, I've noticed a lot of ties being cut immediately to people on the list. Jack Gallagher was almost immediately released from WWE. So that was like an immediate reaction. I've seen AEW is not release Jimmy Havoc, but are kind of distancing themselves from him because he's on the list. Well, he's, he's going to rehab because he has all kinds of issues. Yeah, but we've known that. So that's... And then... uh the Riddle stuff seems to be a little controversial, but I'm not necessarily buying that he's innocent just yet. Uh, of course, the Velveteen Dream stuff came back out, and we've already kind of talked about that. So there's definitely going to be a lot of a lot of hearsay and everything, but. If it turns out that you were a scumbag, then yep, you're gonna be you're gonna be destroyed. You're gonna be taken out of the wrestling business. Your reputation's gonna be ruined. You're gonna be blackballed, and you're gonna deserve it. So, and if it's a lying rat, well, don't ever let her come back to a friggin' show. I I believe justice should be served and. I think it will be. Have we said enough? <laughs> Should, I don't want to harp on this all day, but I think we've said our parts, right? Yeah. Don't victim shame. Believe victims. But make sure that if people are being falsely accused, stand up for those people too. That's the best that we can do in the wrestling community. And thankfully, I've only ever known one or possibly two people and everybody else I've met in wrestling and kept as a friend is just super awesome and really happy to have them so you guys rock anyway <laughs> let's talk about something funny let's talk about piss Dan piss we have two stories involving piss Yes, we do, actually. And is the way I got them, they're bookending the WWE section. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, 
So, first off, this Jeff Hardy storyline on SmackDown is abysmal. I, I hate what they're doing, and everybody seems to hate what they're doing. And Fox apparently hates what they're doing because the piss segment violated their standards and practices. Or he, like, freaking just throws the piss in Seamus' face. <laughs> so, hopefully we'll see a quick death to this storyline, which will be up for worst thing of the year. For sure. And uh, I don't know how we've been really keeping track of Fave it's stuff. It's like the 10th time. Oh, uh, we haven't been since COVID. <laughs> yeah, so. Because nothing's been worth it since COVID. Although, I don't know. We've seen some pretty bad stuff on some of these shows. <laughs> like, other than, like, WrestleMania or whatever. I put something up for WrestleMania, I think. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, oh, my God. Well, that the cinematic match at Backlash with the Street Profits and the and the Viking Raiders should be up for worst match of the year for sure because it was like it wasn't actually it wasn't even a match just be up for worst thing of the year, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, piss is apparently violation unless you're Carmella and Corey Graves, in which case piss is a good thing. Because Carmella revealed that she's into golden showers. So, good for her? But I also, suppose. But also kind of weird. So maybe they should have rewritten that segment and had the piss thrown in her face. The apple juice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they have a podcast about relationships <laughs> and apparently it came up during that this last week uh, so yeah so that's a thing that has happened so in case you were wondering if Carmella was a freak con- confirmation I don't think that was one that we necessarily had to think too hard about though I, I also kind of feel like any woman that dated Enzo probably... Oh, no, she dated Cass. Liv dated Enzo. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just like, this is shocking to... Well, not me. I'm going to say this is not shocking at all. Positively shocking. <laughs> Junior... Oh, speaking of Junior, you know uh, the guy from our trivia question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince likes him. Vince oh, likes him Vince, a lot. Vince really likes him. <laughs> yeah, he says he thinks of him as a young Eddie Guerrero, and we all know how high Vince was on Eddie. So, uh, if you're an Angel Garza guy or an Angel Garza girl, if you're an Angel Garza fan, you're going to be seeing a lot of him. So. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the fans are back attending for Raw at less than 20% in social distancing. And the Street Profits came under fire for going behind the barricade to high-five people. Well, so, fans are at Raw for last week. Yes. And then uh, someone tested positive for COVID. So the tapings got shut down and everything became a clusterfuck as a result. So, yeah. This is... Uh, yeah, WWE's in a cluster right now. But 
Well, I remember like a month or so ago when it was like within 24 hours of each other was AEW has had every single person tested and every single person is good. And then like 24 hours before that or after that, it was not a single WWE person has been tested so far. Yes, because Vince doesn't want to test them and he doesn't want to do the masks. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, the results are speaking for themselves here, guys. COVID's not a joke. And even with stuff reopening, I know I'm still going to be wearing a mask because I don't want to get sick. (laughs) I don't want to catch your shit. So you better believe I'm still going to be practicing that stuff. Until until I am vaccinated or until this shit is eradicated, I am going to be taking precautions. I'm not going to stop living my life, but... But still, I... I mean, you know, there are victims of the, the things and everything. Like, I know that uh, Home Goods, TJ Maxx, Marshalls are pretty much... Uh, uh, they uh, they had a big hit, you know. They I think they're finally starting to reopen, but I remember that was a big one. I know that the uh, there's been a couple of brands that have literally been wiped out as a result. So, but still, take it seriously till it's gone. You don't want to get sick. I've known a couple of people now who've gotten it, and they all say it's absolute misery. It is just miserable. Even if you're healthy, it's miserable. So. I don't want to be miserable. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Dan, why don't you talk about some D&D stuff? This this weekend was the D&D Live weekend. Which, of course, was done over Discord slash Zoom and stuff. Because, you know, we're still doing this stuff. We're not going to bring a thousand people to L.A. (laughs) For a D and D event during all this, so they're doing it all online and stuff, and uh, they're like, "Oh, and next is we're gonna have a little panel, a half hour panel about upcoming D and D comics, and here's the blah blah blah, and here's blah blah blah, and here's AJ Mendez," and I was like, "What?" The? <laughs> so AJ Lee is also working in comics, just like Punk at least did, and. Because he wrote, like, Thor for, like, a year or something. Like, I don't know if he's still doing it or not. But I AJ... She, I thought she actually took his name. So she's not AJ Brooks? I think her, like... I'm guessing her official name for business, I guess, is still Mendez. Hmm. Um, okay. And she was on. She had done... She had found some research about this woman that was was a Viking warrior... And survived an axe to the skull. And then when she did eventually die some years later, she was given full Viking warrior rights in a, fun- in a funeral. Hmm. And so this freaking character is... Uh, she made a character based on that. That's awesome. And it's going to be uh, a comic series of that character and a group of others. On adventures, because the new adventure thing is all about Icewind Dale, which is like up at the top of the mountains, and it's fucking awful. That's awesome. So it's about dealing with all this ice and snow. This sounds so friggin' cool, though. Like, like I'm actually into this idea 
I might want to check these comics out. And then now there's also an official um, Stranger Things D&D comic. And they talked about how they had to uh, research and they had to double check and get okays because they essentially uh, came up with an in-canon way of how all the boys met and became friends. See, that's actually pretty cool. So it's actually going to expand the lore of the show. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's about their adventures in D&D. But, like, you got to start somewhere, right? Like, when did they start playing? And then they also had to do all this research about what was D&D exactly like back then. And put in all this stuff. And it's uh, Jim Zub is the guy that did the Rick and Morty crossover stuff. And he's, he's like, the main D&D comics guy since 5e came out. And then, uh, and he co-doing that with Jody Hauser, who is freaking fantastic. And she's been around for like 15, 20 years in the business. And she's like, everything she's ever made is fucking great. <laughs> you know, one of those people. <laughs> so there's like, man, there's going to be two really, really good D&D comics coming out later this year. One's called, I think, At the Spine of the World. That's the one with AJ. And the other one's uh, Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons. Gonna be cool. That actually sounds really cool. I would check anyway, that out. More from the D and D week because there was a Black AF panel yesterday, where people in where where colored people in the community came together and did a panel about stuff that's going on and its effect uh, on their daily lives and our daily lives and how that fits in with D&D and how to be more perceptive and accepting and all that stuff as players, as DMs, as just people in general. Rather informative hour, hour and a half uh, yesterday. And Ember Moon was on that panel. Because later today, Ember Moon is in a game because they're doing a straight up all WWE Superstars game today. At 2 p.m. Pacific, so 5 p.m. Eastern. It will be the D&D crew from WWE. So we're talking like um, Dio Madden and, and Ember. and is, is Xavier on that list? I, I almost feel like it would have to be, right? I mean, this is Xavier you're talking about. Because uh, I, know, I, mean, I know he plays in their game. Um, and Xavier's actually been for like a year and a half now part of the freaking Penny Arcade game at the Penny Arcade shows. Let me give me a second. And I'll get the full fucking list. Here we go. Uh, Alexa Bliss, Tyler Breeze, Dio Madden, Ember Moon, Xavier Woods. Okay. And Jeremy Crawford is the DM who is the head rules designer for That's Dungeons awesome. and Dragons. That's awesome. Who is the guy that does the Penny Arcade show <laughs> that Xavier's been playing with for like a year and a half? So. Um, yeah there was a really cool game yesterday where it was all comedians so it was like thomas middleditch and oh yeah i saw the i saw the ads for that there were like nine of them it sounded like it would be really interesting it was middleditch and posane and like it was crazy how's your DD going by the way real good actually we had an all-time moment this week 
a half hour after I yelled at someone. <laughs> <laughs> I got real mad. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, Alice and Eddie were, like, worried about me. And I was like, no, it was just, like, a perfect storm. I got mad. I apologized later. I'm sorry. And uh, we moved on. And then, uh, so we were going into a boss fight. And we were let, we were told this is this is going to be a boss fight, and so I did one of my abilities that made the next attack that hits on the guy be at, all the damage be vulnerable, which is essentially like double damage. And the next person that attacked him was our uh, was somebody that could put up a lot of damage, and so he put up a lot of damage. Any one hit killed the guy. <laughs> Like we're talking about a guy with nearly 200 HP, and you freaking killed him. That's awesome. So it was like the cleric paladin combo, and we're calling it shake and bake because <laughs> I shake it and then he bakes it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool. So yeah, that's one of those all-time moments. Like it's supposed to be a nasty boss fight. You guys might die because most of us were at, well, some of us were at like half health. And uh, I was like, I got to go first. So I was like, I'm doing this. <laughs> and hopefully somebody can use their best thing. And it was like, yeah, the he's he's our next guy. I'm like, oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Any natural 20. So we dumped all his freaking high smites in there and did like 178 damage on one hit because he was essentially four damp quad damage on that hit. Oh my god. It wasn't exactly quad damage, but it was essentially quad damage. So, yeah. It was crazy. It was great. I know that there was, uh... I received several drunken texts from what? a certain player in your group. Was, I uh, talked to him for like an hour, and he was not drunk when I talked to him, but apparently he was drunk an hour later. <laughs> yeah, well, he uh, <laughs> he told me that because I didn't answer the phone, you became the victim. You know, he told me it was because Eddie didn't answer. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? And he's like, well, I'm not going to call Chris because his wife's asleep. And I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Well, he still wanted to. He's like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of Shannon. And I told him, I've met her twice. We've had two good meals together. I had nothing negative, but she scares me too. <laughs> <laughs> you are all correct to be afraid. <laughs> you are all correct. Stay afraid. I just feel if I ever gave her a reason to be mad at me, it's just to be it's over. <laughs> so I'd be as cordial as possible. Also, I'm not standing up for any of you, just so you know. <laughs> you incur the wrath. I'm just gonna step back and be like, nope, you're on you're on your own. So yeah, uh Superstars D D Saturday, two PM Pacific. Yes. Or, or 5 p.m. Eastern. Because mm. we're the, we're them we're damn East Coast boys. Yeah, that's the thing about most of those D and D things. They're all like they're, they're in California or in um, Washington for the most part. So so when they put times up, I gotta go add three hours and realize 
Jeez, you guys starting early, even for me. So, like, Randy, Tom, Corey, and Taylor are all fine, but... Well, for them, like, the one yesterday started at 9.30 that time. I was like, damn, son. All right, Dan, you wanted to update us on New Japan. Oh, yeah, dude. There was three shows this week, and they're back, baby. No fans. Uh, but they're doing stuff. First show was just all tags, you know, like trios, atomicos, and stuff, just to get everybody reacclimated and everything. But then Tuesday and Wednesday was the start of the New Japan Cup. And what they're doing is they're doing two cup matches, a big atomicos match. A break so they can disinfect everything. Like, they bring out guys and they just go nuts. And then they do the last two matches that are more cup matches. Uh, One of the cool things they're doing is they're even social distancing the commentary team. Which, right now, there's no English commentary because they're all, you know, one guy's Australian, one guy's American, and the other guy's British, right? So they're not there. (laughs) So... What they're doing for the Japanese commentary team is they each have their own table. And there's, like, a sheet of glass on the side of them between each one of them. And so what they're doing for, like, the wide shot of the commentary team is there's enough space in the shot for the for two of the tables. So what they did is they put a TV in the middle for the third person so you can see the third person during those shots. <laughs> I'm just like, that's freaking great ingenuity there. It's great. It's really good. So hey, it's like there, works. Shinpei Nogami and Moana Collection AT, and then on the TV is the freaking girl or uh, uh Liger. And I'm like, hey, man, that's actually a really good idea. Uh, but hey, here's what happened in the tournament. We've had half of the matches, because they're only doing four a day, because they want to extend this for a full month. So we had Tony Makabe beat Yoda Suji because he's a young boy. But Yoda Suji is going to be one of those never guys where, like, you know, it's like him and Makabe, uh, Ishii, those kind of guys. He's going to be a rough and tough and stiff guy, and it's going to be great. Another another murder, man. Yeah, like, that's the way he's looking. Unless he, like, unless he goes to, like, England and they freaking teach him to never throw a, like, be one of those world of sport guys that, doesn't throw a single punch or anything ever. Like I watched a freaking Johnny match where like he, the only thing he ever did was slap the guy in the back so we could do a surfboard. So, you know, you know, the classic slap the back so their arms go back and you can grab them. That's like the only throw he ever did. Like the only, only smash he did to anybody. Anyway, uh, the main event of night one was actually Ishii versus Desperado, and it went 20 minutes, and it was fucking great. See a lot from Desperado, because mostly he's just doing the tag stuff with Kanemaru, and they're just dirty heels that cheat the whole time, right? But this was, like, some good actual wrestling from Desperado. But Ishii caught him, because he's Ishii. What the fuck are you going to do? Yano beats Jado or Jado, depending upon where you're from. Nine minutes, they both try to cheat a lot. And Yano wins in Yano fashion with, you know, a bunch of chicanery and a roll-up. 
Big match. Takahashi, uh, junior heavyweight champion, faced Hanma. So Takahashi wins in 18 minutes because he's little, but he's better than Hanma. So he wins. So that's the next round, which is not until the 24th. It's Makabe Ishii, which get your freaking dicks out for that one. Be real horny for that shit. And we got Yano and Takahashi for the next round. And second night, we had Gabriel Kidd, Taiji Ishimori. Gabriel Kidd's young boy. So Taiji gets him in in just under nine minutes. Then we had Kanemaru versus Yu Amora, also a young boy. So Kanemaru wins. So there's two are going to face Kanemaru Ishimori. I'm guessing Ishimori because he's the singles guy. Kanemaru's tag guy. So we got that. Also, longest match of the tournament so far, Yuji Nagata, Minoru Suzuki. They beat the fuck out of each other. It was awesome. But Yuji got him, dude. I figured it would be Suzuki was going to win, but nope. Yuji wins. Does the salute and everything. Yuji Nagata freaking beats Suzuki. It's a good thing that they don't wrestle for a week. Because <laughs> Yuji's going to need that week. And the main event, Gato does all the heel cheating stuff ever. But Okada catches him, wins by submission in 15 and a half minutes. So Okada, Yuji, next round. And then our next show is on the 22nd. And we'll finish the first round on the 22nd and 23rd. Sounds like a plan, Stan. All right, so New Japan's back. I wouldn't know if it's better than ever, but I mean, just seeing some of these guys on like three, three and a half months of rest, it's just great. <clears throat> so we got a Q and A real quick here. Do we now? Well, we were going to record last night, but due to weather, we decided to postpone it. So I was like, "Oh, screw it, let's." Yeah. Due to weather, that didn't end up happening. <laughs> yeah, well, better safe than sorry. I was told thunderstorms till 10.30, and you were like, thunderstorms till, like, after midnight, and none of us had anything after 7. It's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, so we got three questions here. Uh, first one from community member Russell Wright. What is the best rock band of all time, and why is it Queen? I mean, I would argue that Queen is not the best rock band of all time. Definitely top tier, but all time is definitely objective. All time, I don't know. I mean, what kind of factor would go into a single rock band being the best of all time? There's the loyal, there's uh, longevity, how long they've been around. And still perform. So right then and there, the Rolling Stones would probably be first. Yeah. I remember uh, I remember Jericho in his book was like, 
was like, I always said the Beatles were the best rock band of all time, and I forgot who he said this to, but it was a famous old rocker. And he's just like, how can you even say that the Beatles were better than the Stones? They didn't even last for ten years. The Stones are still going. And it's just like, uh, you know what? And he, there was a couple other arguments in there. It's just like, yeah, that would that would be it. I mean, Beatles still have to be factored in just because of how many number ones they had. Yeah, like I have a double record of all the number ones. It's two full records of number one songs. I think quantifying the best rock band of all time without letting personal opinions come in has to be factored into, A, what qualifies as a rock band, you know, uh, B, how long they've been around uh, consistently, all their success. You can measure their success in numbers. You can measure their success in fandom. And then you can figure out the quality. I mean, Queen's great, but I don't I don't know if I would say they're number one. I mean, I might even put them in the top five, but I don't know if objectively I would say they were number one. I don't know. I'm a person that out of like my five favorite bands, three of them are among the most hated <laughs> nowadays. So, like, well, like, okay. So, like, my favorite band is Disturbed, but I know they're not going to be in that contention. You know, I love Metallica. I could probably make a much better argument for Metallica than Disturbed to be considered among being one of the top rock bands of all time. And, of course, someone's going to be like, but they're not rock, they're metal. And it's just like, yeah, but that's still derivative. You know, you also have to figure out what's uh, what works as a rock band and what doesn't. Like, Because I've heard people say things like, oh, you know, they'll start talking about, oh, this is the best band of all time, and then they'll name somebody who's, like, decisively not a rock genre, that they're more of a they're they're more of a pop or a country genre and just like uh does that count like leonard skinner's rock band but they're definitely countrified ccr southern rock yeah ccr but i mean like i i can tell you like i love hailstorm and i love nightwish but i wouldn't put them on the top of the list just because they wouldn't be on the top of the list but could be a very interesting conversation to have about rock bands down the line. I understand. And by the way, I'll say this now because I know there's going to be a comment about it. I understand the joke you were going for. And I sorry to subvert your joke and not sell it. But I'm actually not sorry because I actually questions like that actually kind of bug me. Because you're just you're just doing it to be to get a reaction. But isn't that the point of social media? 100% of the things you post on social media are done to get reactions. Otherwise, you wouldn't have posted it. Nobody posts selfies online because they don't want people to comment on them. So let's get rid of it. Is that why I like, hardly ever post online? Hmm. <laughs> uh, from Randy Moyer, loyal patron and friend of the show. If Hulk Hogan wasn't in the WWF and working on top when they signed JYD, do you think Vince would have put the strap on him and made him the first African-American WWF champion? I don't know. 
the thing about JYD is he was always like he was over everywhere, but he was more over in the south, right? And he don't work the south because Vince McMahon grew up in the south and he fucking hates it because he hates everything about himself because he grew up in a trailer in North Carolina. But that he hates the south, he hates juniors, he hates <laughs> when he is one. Yeah, like, cause he's like, you grew up in the South, you went to a college in the South, you are a junior. He hates everything about himself. Dude, I would have, I would have loved to have been inside his head when he had to do those commentary teams with, uh, with Jerry Lawler and Jim Cornette, like the most Southern people he knows. <laughs> oh, like, 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 isn't like Kevin Dunn was like, we're not, we're not doing JR and Cornette. It's too Southern. Yeah, that was, that was a Kevin Dunn thing. I was like, yes, you know, that's your two best commentators, though. Well, it's yeah. too Southern. No one's going to understand a damn word they say. I mean, yeah, uh, no one's going to understand what they're saying. No one understands what you're saying, you fucking beaver motherfucker. God damn it, I hate you, Kevin Dunn. Just drop over and burst into fucking flames. We haven't, we haven't actually bashed Kevin Dunn on this show in a while. If you're wondering, Kevin Dunn's still fucking awful. <laughs> we'll be bashing him. One of the good things about the way about quarantine is that he hasn't had the opportunity to do his fuckery. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so I would say there's that nowhere to go to. You only have what's happening in the ring. <laughs> I, I think the big factor in the question, though, is really going to be how much did JYD like. Did the junkyard dog truly gel with the northern audience? Also, I mean, it's over over elsewhere, but he was like the freaking god of Louisiana, right? And they don't yeah. love fucking Louisiana back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my other thing with junkyard dog is, didn't he have a bad habit of not staying in one location for long periods of time? He was kind of a. Well, I mean, that was what you did back then when the territories, as soon as you got hot enough, you left, so it didn't turn on you. Yeah. So you can return it someday, and they'll be like, I remember him, he was great. So, would uh, would JYD have been the chosen one? I'm not 100% sure, because even if Hogan hadn't arrived, you still would have had Macho Man. Eventually, Warrior would have shown up. So I still think those would have been the chosen guys. So I, mean, I, don't I don't know. know. Hogan doesn't show up and they don't blow up. Like what happens? Oh, they blew up all right. I like taking them steroids. Uh, it's a very the alternate timeline questions are very interesting. It's uh, like who doesn't sign because they're not freaking like if Hogan doesn't go there, do do they survive at all? <laughs> That's a very good question. Uh, alternate timeline stuff is always interesting to me, but I'm never 100% sure what the true answer is with alternate timelines because I think there's just too many factors to factor in there. Too many questions. Would he have been the first African-American champion? I mean, he's the most likely candidate. He's He had the charisma. I mean... He didn't have great work rate, but neither did Hulk Hogan. And as long as he was drawn, he was getting the money, I think. Yeah, but he grabbed them cakes. He sure did. Well, I don't think the first champ was ever going to be Coco, so. 
yeah, it's it's a good it's a good one to po- it's a good one to ponder. Very good one to ponder. Um, and then from published so author, I love how we've had two questions and we've answered neither of them. All right, best rock band of all time, even objectively speaking, is the Rolling Stones, and JYD would have been the most likely candidate. So let's say yes. There you go. I answered your questions. Well, we can answer this next one. Uh, published author, podcaster, friend, patron, and friend of the show, Jeff Trelowitz. Since Paige had an awesome movie about her life, is there anyone else you think should get a biopic? Who in wrestling would have some of the most interesting biopics? I still say that Vince McMahon one needs to happen. I really think the Benoit one would have been intriguing, but also would have been depressing. So who should have? Well, it would have been really good until the last half hour. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, A really good biopic story. I mean, I'm trying to think of like these true underdogs who clawed their way up and became success stories in spite of what they should have been, and that makes me think CM Punk and Brian Danielson. That's like what I'm thinking of, but it hasn't. It doesn't have the triumphant moment in it, and that's Cesaro because there's the whole like him trying to come to America for so long, and then he freaking wins a lottery to get to get his yeah piece to come over. Like that's cool, but there's no like, and he comes over and he becomes world champion. It's and he comes over and he hits the glass ceiling. He freaking slams. Can't grab the brass ring. Yeah, Cesaro's good, but he's missing something. Yeah, you're backing, dumbass. <laughs> you know he's missing? A world title. That's exactly what he's missing. Yeah, I would say that that would make a really good one as long as there was a triumphant moment. But I think that Punk and Brian would probably be the two best ones I could think of. Because they were the two very unlikely candidates to ever become as big as they did, and then they did. And, you know, Punk's story's interesting because of how he got fed up and left. And then Brian's story is that they literally tried everything to hold him down, and an injury ended his career, and he still came back in spite of it. So, yeah. yeah. There's, like, two comeback. There's, like, three comeback stories in that story. So, of <laughs> course, because I would want CM Punk and uh, Brian Danielson to be my biopics you know who i would get instead uh, how about we do randy orton yes i already watched that one (laughs) they did that one documentary where the entire purpose was i used to be a total asshole now i'm only partially an asshole (laughs) i think somebody's probably going to make a john cena biopic at some point and it's going to start himself just like that just like the jackie robinson story star jackie robinson yeah, probably. But it was like old, old white-haired Jackie Robinson trying to play twenty-three-year-old Jackie Robinson. But I mean, Cena's got an in- Cena does have an interesting story though because he knew he was going to get cut unless he did something, and the act he came up with, which was a natural extension of himself anyway, launched him into becoming the biggest star of the modern era. It just makes me be like, what about we find out like? The Batista story. I was going to get fired in a week, so I started working out with Triple H. And then I became 10-time world champion. Story over. Yeah! 
Uh, no, you know what biopic we're going to get? We're going to get Roman Reigns. Yeah, baby girl. And you know why we're getting it, too, because of the cancer. They're like, oh, that's two, it. There's two cancer hooks in that one. Uh, so, just, just so, like Breaking Bad. <laughs> so, the people who should get biopics and the people who will get biopics is a completely different answer. Well, that's like when anyone tries to advertise with Vince McMahon. Like, the, there's the famous story about Under Armour. Before they went to anyone else, they're like, hey, we want Shelton Benjamin. And he's like, nah, you want, uh, this guy that sucks, but he's white. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, we want Shelton. I think he, his athleticism and his body type fit our thing more. No, no, no. You want, uh, Batista. Because he's bigger. Yeah. And you're like, no, we've, we've like done a lot of research. We want Shelton. Nah, you, well, you heard, uh, you heard Paul Heyman's story, right? Where, they, he he pitched for CM Punk to be on the video game cover, and then they're like, "No, you don't want Punk. You want Sheamus." And Paul Heyman and Two K are like, "No, we want Punk." And the WWE's like, "No, you want Sheamus." Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you think a Ric Flair biopic would be interesting, <laughs> provided it doesn't lie? I mean, there's the plane crash early in the career. Um, I was thinking for story beats, right? Because just becoming world champion a million times isn't enough of a story. Well, but he also had to face the fact that, like, modern owners kept coming in, like Jim Hurd, and didn't want him because he was old. And they're just like, no. Spartacus. Yeah, Spartacus. See, there's there's a lot of biopics that would be really interesting stories, but would all be depressing. Like, yeah, that's I mean, that's Ric Flair's story, right? Is they kept on trying to put him out of pasture late, so he fought it so long that he went to pasture ten years too late. Yeah, pretty much. So they tried to put him out too early, and then he went out way too late. And then he ruined his own comeback story by wrestling in TNA. Yeah, I think uh, like, I think a Hulk Hogan biopic would be interesting, but full of lies. And then, you know, if you do one on, like, Eddie or Pillman or Owen, that's just going to be depressing because you know how it ends. Also, who knows they're gonna be, if they're telling the truth? You know? uh, I would say we could do one on Bret Hart, but they already did <laughs> Wrestling with Shadows, and it was excellent. Uh, that's just crazy how that, that lined up. Like, that's one of those, like, maybe the screw job was a bit of a work. Because it's convenient that there happened to be they were shooting a freaking thing for a year at that time, and then they've which is funny because then they've done documentaries like WWE has flat out done documentaries proving it wasn't it was all legitimate and it was all bullshit. But yet here we are in 2020, and people are still like, no, it had to be a work because Vince Russo said it was. <laughs> like, good God, dude. I mean, like how Vince Russo was like, I had the idea for the Brawl for All because I fucking hated Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, I and want to see him get his ass kicked. Dude, Bradshaw was fucking nothing at the time. He wasn't bullying anyone yet, dude. He was thankful for the job at that point. He wasn't rocking the boat. <laughs> Boy, hey. Good questions this week. So we're going to do a, uh, a non-wrestling segment for the show. Oh. Uh, Yes. Real quick, I want to get our patron shout-outs in for those shout-out tier patrons. Glenn, Randy, Jeff, 
Jay, Adrian, you guys know who you are. We are very thankful for you. You're the real MVP. We'll do some reps for Mr. Cotton on our VIP show. We're going to review my first Madison Square Garden taping of Raw. I can't review my first MSG show because it's a house show, so there's no video to rewatch. No CKCC reps. We're going to do the unmasking of Kane, the MSG show where Kane unmasked. One and only time I ever saw Bill Goldberg. And uh, a much better show than the first Raw I went to. I'm sure even Dan will agree with that. You know what? If we want to watch one unmasking, we should watch a bad unmasking. Ray? Yeah. I knew exactly where you were going with that. Ray and Hoovy, right? The worst. Well, this is uh, Ray versus Scott Hall and Kevin Nash or whatever. Something like that, yeah. It was Ray versus Hall and Nash with Lex and Liz at ringside because it wasn't a Puesta match. It was hair versus mask, but it wasn't Scott Hall's hair. It wasn't Kevin Nash's hair. It wasn't Lex Luger's hair. It was Liz's hair. So you knew right away that the freaking guy's going to drop his freaking mask because they're not going to shave Liz's hair. It was just awful all around. Indeed. All right, so this is something that I thought of when we were doing... uh... Chris ranks the universe and doing the Disney movies. And we mentioned Ralph breaks the internet and how one of the, uh, the absolute best parts of that movie by far was the, the princess cameo. Like mm-hmm. they, they made it funny. They gave them all interesting personalities. They gave them all a spotlight to shine in. As long as the voice actress was alive and able because Aurora's voice actress was like 95, so she didn't come back. They got all the original voice actresses in. All of them. Jody Benson, Paige O'Hara, uh, Mandy Moore, you know, Kristen Bell. They, everybody came back to do the cameo. They put in 14 princesses, 13 from Disney, one from Pixar. Which is probably one of the best parts is when Meredith spews out her line. They're just like, I don't understand what she said. She, yeah, well, she's from the other studio. And then at the end of the movie, they save Ralph. And you find out that they've given some of them powers. Because, well, they're technically internet characters in this universe anyway. They're net residents. Or what are they? What's the actual term they use? Oh, yeah, net netizens they're citizens of the net so they can get away with fudging. well they're part of the disney website right like that, that whole section of the show right, right. so like like pocahontas is totally an airbender <laughs> it's is basically what they go for and moana's a waterbender so they incorporate those powers in there and after watching that scene and seeing that they like they can take a sweet solemn princess character and make even make them totally badass when most of them were badass as it was anyway i came up with the idea that they should do a disney plus action adventure series starring the princesses specifically these 14 characters and also possibly vanellope and then we can shoehorn so you mean not tinkerbell tinkerbell show number 25 uh tink's got enough spotlight attention Let's focus on let's focus on these girls here. 
They're all cool characters. They can all be inspirations to young women. And it wouldn't be that hard to write the series. So the pitch that I came up with, and I'm not going to do like a full-on pitch, but the idea would be that they're all in, you know, a modern 21st century setting. They all have an ability from their movie, even if it's something that they stole, and I'll break that down when I do all the princesses. And they basically, they they fight evil, they solve crimes, they have adventures. And I think that the, it would be a, a fun concept for a show. So, first off, you need a quote-unquote leader. And I immediately went to Belle for that. Because Belle should be the uh, the head setting there. She's the smartest out of all of them because she's the most well-read and, and well-educated. And she's not really much of a fighter. So it would make the most sense for her to be kind of like the like the Bosley of the group, to put that as a reference. No, Bosley. You know Belsley. So I would have, and then it's like, well, you also need, there's also a couple of princesses who kind of can't fight, like, like Aurora. Aurora's not really a fighter, so what would she be then? Well, she would work in the, she would stay back with Belle. And sort of be like, if Belle is the M, then she would be the Q. We already know she's handy with the spinning wheel. But she's always wheel. asleep on the job. She, well, that could be kind of the joke. She does all this cool tech stuff, and then she's always sleeping when they go to the lab. She's not much of a fighter, so she, you make her the tech person. Now you have the rest of them who can all have an ability. Almost like a D&D style ability. So... Snow White has the ability to talk to animals, so she's the universal translator. So if they're, they need guidance or something, or they're fighting a, an, another entity, Snow White, Snow White's could be like the C-3PO. Maybe she's not a fighter, but she's tagging along with the group because she's an interpreter. Uh, Cinderella, Dan, how would you describe the fairy godmother? Because you said this off air and I thought it was brilliant. Oh, this is going to be a classic Deus Ex Machina. She can come out at any time and do whatever they need. So you ever write yourself in a corner, Fairy Godmother shows up. So my idea for Cinderella is that she's got the Fairy Godmother's wand as her weapon. So while Snow White can kind of talk and control the animal, Cinderella kind of has the same power, except she can transform them too. So... Snow White can call out all these forest mice, and Cinderella can just turn them into horses and ride into battle. So, while she's not much of a fighter... And then recreate the scene from Shrek 3. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, at the same time, you also have to tone down her power, because you can't make her all magical and powerful. Then you have two powerful, so maybe that's her only ability, is she can sort of transform stuff. But it could still come in handy. So now you're getting to some of the other princesses here. And a lot of them already are pretty handy. Well, I mean, you get like Mulan and Merida. They're just... They're, they're weapon specialists. Yeah. Mulan's, the, Mulan's the swordsman. Merida's the, Merida's the archer. So you don't have to do anything really special with them. Uh, we already know that uh, Anna can fight with her fists. So she's just going to be hand-to-hand combat the whole time. And Elsa's freaking doing freaking ice knives. Right. And then if you incorporate the fact that Pocahontas and Moana can be element controllers, and so is Elsa, then right there you already have powers. Um, 
Jasmine, well, I mean, she can she's got the magic carpet. Maybe she can kind of summon them. She could be a main mode of transport, but then we've also seen she's kind of handy in one-to-one combat. So. And we got Rapunzel with the frying pan, and she could do grapples with her hair. Yeah, so right then and there. And then the last part would be Tiana, and it's just like, well, Tiana isn't much of a fighter, but what I would do with her is I would have her have the voodoo power that she stole from Dr. Felicia. Yeah. Also, I would have her able to, she would be also be an anamorph. She would be able to transform into the, her frog form and use that as like a sneaking thing. Like, okay, we got we to gotta sneak inside. She transforms into the frog, goes through the grate, unlocks the door from the other side kind of deal. You're telling me you couldn't come up with a concept like this and actually make a super successful show. Oh, and I, I, I skipped out on uh, Ariel, but that would be the other thing. Ariel can transform. Well, she's, she could also be like a, a deus ex machina in herself because they're just like, we need blah, blah, blah. And she just like pulls it out of her dress. Right? <laughs> she's got, she's, you want to think about Bob? She's got 20 for crying out loud. <laughs> she, could make, she could make a weapon out of literally anything. But like she could. Like she's going to be Aurora's like right hand. Where she's like, she's like the idea girl. He's like, hey, what if we get a thingamabob that does this? And she's like, oh, that's a good idea. And then she makes it. And Ariel is the one that's like, I got this one right here. Perfect situation. We got two Deus Ex Machina. We have, I have no fears. We got stories for years. We have two Deus Ex Machina built in. And I'd even take the easy route out by, I'd even take the easy route out by having Jasmine have genie powers. Because that would be. That would probably be too much. Oh, Jasmine has a fucking tiger, dude. That's enough. <laughs> I mean, she would probably do better with Shere Khan instead of Raja. <laughs> just, just saying. But yeah, Raja's a house cat. <laughs> yeah, but Ariel's thing is she could also transform into her mermaid self. That could probably come in handy. Some oceanic adventures. Yeah, man. You could do a lot. You could do a lot with this concept. And you could do a whole thing where like two or three bad guys come together. Like we can have a whole, like on the Harley Quinn show where there was a whole episode where Harley Quinn wasn't even in it and it was still fantastic because you're focusing on somebody else. And then you could do an episode where I think there was like two episodes this year where Harley Quinn wasn't even in it because they were focusing on like the group. Yeah, and Harley wasn't there at the time. Like you can do that kind of stuff. You'd be like, oh, yeah, so, like, the evil queen's freaking talking to Maleficent about something, and they're coming up with something. You do a whole thing where the villains are have been defeated for the umpteenth time, and now you, it's just an entire episode based on their plans. You could bring in... You could almost got them from Batman. <laughs> yeah. And then you just have, like, one of them being like, yeah, I, like, threw a rock at him. <laughs> But I also think that for some of the uh, of some really big, <laughs> big rock. <laughs> well, for the ones who face the more supernatural villains, I think that would actually be a cool way to have them conjure up their own powers. You know. And do you also notice that some of the supernatural villains actually came from like the most the more common princesses? Like Tiana is probably the most down to earth homegirl princess but she deals with one of the more one of the more magical villains and then like you know Snow White deals with 
an evil queen who's conjuring shit. Aurora deals with friggin' Maleficent. And then it's like, well, here's Elsa with her crazy ice powers, and she gets Hans, who's just a dick. Mm. He's just a big dickhead. So. Maybe like Cinderella, where it's just like her stepmother and stepsisters are just bitches. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I think... This is a show that not only could happen, but should already be in the planning stages. And Oh, and also Cinderella's power is she doesn't have to rest because night and day it's Cinderella. Uh, don't forget, you can also incorporate uh, Vanellope into this with the glitch. Ah, yes. Just glitching through walls. You wouldn't even need Tiana's ability then. God damn, that's three Deus Ex Machinas. This show could go for a hundred years. <laughs> Have no fears, we got stories for years. I mean, I don't want to put myself over that much, but fucking need a thing about I got 20, that was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really good. That's why I laughed. I popped. <laughs> you heard me pop for that. I popped. Yeah. I just want to say, when I said Florida State Seminole Vesicles and no one laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my concept for a Disney princess show. That needs to happen, and also not. Um, you can incorporate lesser-known characters and make them part of the lore and and bring them in. You know, Kita from what's that Bambi? <laughs> no, no, but like Kita from Lo- from Atlantis is a pretty badass fighter, and she was technically a princess too. So, right there, you could have her. You could do a whole thing where they find Atlantis and end up. Uh, she ends up joining the team. You know, they people like to shoehorn in Megara in a lot of these places. She could be kind of useful, but she could also be a turncoat. She could be a traitor. You know, you could work that in as a storyline. And then, does she get accepted? Does she not? We find out. You could, there, there's a limit. Be that sexy anti-hero they're looking for. Yeah. Just modernize the setting and make it so. And I think you could do it. You don't even have to use my ideas. Make your own princess thing, but make them make them badass heroes, and I think you'll have an you'll have a very successful hit on your hands. Now the only thing is, do you do you keep it with the computer animation using the style, or do you try to to modernize it with a cell animation style the way some of these series have done. Like, they did Big Hero 6 as an actual... It's not computer animated, but traditional animation, and it still looks good. And I know that a lot... Some of the princesses still have that modern feel to them because they came from the computer-generated era, but I think you could still work with that. I guess whatever works out to be easiest, but... Don't ever do live action with that because it would probably be a disaster. Keep it animated. Chicken Little shows up, says the sky is falling. They say we don't care. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, let's 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 make that happen. I think that should happen. I really want that to happen. They team up with the rescuers. Oh, there's so much potential there to tie in all those franchises. They they can't quite figure out a mystery, so they go to see the Great Mouse Detective. Hey, if Kingdom Hearts could tie all that crap together, then 
It is 100% possible. And then, like... Well, now we're going nuts. We're just talking about, well, we're going to go get, get freaking Iron Man. <laughs> no, I still like those franchises to be separate. Because that would be that would be a little much. You don't want to you don't want to overshadow. I mean, they went to Pirates of the Caribbean for crying out loud. So, but if Elizabeth Swan joined the team, she would also be friggin' badass. I'm just saying. So Elizabeth Swan. Well, she's got nothing to do for ten years at a time, right? Yeah, pretty much. Just waiting for Will to come back, and he can't come back for like ten years. So. Yeah, those movies got weird with their lore. So yeah, that's my pitch. Uh, I got another oh, idea. <laughs> I got another idea for a shared universe show that I'll pitch next week. There's your tease. Mm. And it's a, it's an even bigger universe, but this one already should be happening. And the fact that it's not, and they're still not doing it the right way, is very disappointing. But now Let me let's give you a, a preview of that, Captain N. There you go. That actually is the perfect tie-in. Um, let's do points or consequences because I really feel like this should be a really easy game, and I'm really worried that people are going to screw this up. Mm, okay. And I haven't I haven't been mean in a long time, and I'm feeling kind of mean today and vindictive. So this week's see. points or consequences was struck with cut. No, it was two people, and then it got straightened out really easy. <laughs> uh, so. Chris wanted you to pitch an existing form of media, and your first sentence is kind of "fuck yeah," and your second sentence makes me go, "what the fuck?" Yeah, I thought my Phantom Menace example would be the perfect way to do it, but then I was hearing right away that people were like making original stuff, even though I said it had to be something famous. Yeah. Also, did everybody stick to the two sentence? Uh, as far as I know, yes, but there might be a couple of super run-ons. Oh God! Well, I'm feeling not so generous, so let's do this. Hmm. Had a bad BM this morning. <laughs> That's every morning. I had, I had a good BM. That's every morning. Okay, our first one is. It's a remake of one of the greatest. Zombie move films ever. The decomposing undead can now move faster than Usain Bolt. Yeah, I never really understood zombies being fast. I understand infected being fast, but zombies being fast don't make sense. Never understood that. Like, I can understand recently dead people being faster yeah but like that one was like a bit much like infected makes sense because you're you're technically not dead well it's the 28 days later right because they're just fucking super pissed yeah they're like the incredible hulk pissed and also right? and also they die off if they don't feed because they're actually not undead so yeah, I've always said that if you're gonna do is if you're gonna if they're rising from the grave, they should be slow and lumbering. If they're infected, then they should be whatever the human was. But yeah, um, I like the Usain Bolt reference, which I think is pretty funny. I think that's that's kind of what I'm going for. Although the second sentence didn't really make me go huh, but it is along the lines. So I'll go ahead and give it points. 
Have some points. Have some points. It'll have some of the best gameplay in the series. You don't get a finished game or ending. I can tell you what they are because everyone marked it because I marked mine as well. In the the. Uh, well, yeah, I didn't want to do the guessing game. So, yeah, you can just tell me what it is. This is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Okay, so I haven't played this, but I 100% know that's the case. <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah, that's... That would be... that. That is exactly what I'm going for. That gets points. Okay. Yeah, that game just ends with them being like, oh, yeah, you're not actually Snake. <laughs> it just kind of ends. Do you imagine? <clears throat> oh god! Like the best gameplay in the whole series, and the story ends. It's up being... so good. It's so good. It just kind of ends. And that's that's and such then, a disappointment. And then the ending is you replay the beginning, except for a couple of things are different. And the <laughs> beginning is like a half hour long. <laughs> good and then there's the reveal that you're not even really Snake. You're a freaking. You're one of the clones. And your entire job was to distract the world from the real snake and whatever the fuck he was doing. Uh, anyway, that's so next one. A Mel Brooks classic features a scene with a guillotine that does circumcisions. Oh my god. I love this movie. And you nip the tip. <laughs> I love this movie, but good god. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm going for. That's points. Pointies. Of course, Robin Hood Bandits. I know. I've seen it. I own it. You seen it? I seen it. I owned it. It's a movie all about bringing people together by eating ass. Ugh. Human centipede. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. That's points. Gross. No, no, that's a hundred points, not a hundred and ten points. Hmm. Was that Ellis, by the way? It was not. Oh, God. I'm, I'm used to Ellis and his human centipede jokes. You can never, I can never get used to A man refuses to let death stop him. It's Brandon Lee, though. The crow. Oh, my God. That's... That's just mean. It's funny, but it's mean. Oh. Oh, God. I mean, is what I'm going for, so we'll give it points. All right. A tough New York cop will face off against a European terrorist and his henchmen. Wisecracking New York cop, who should have died at least 20 times during the course of the movie, will only have a boo-boo on his shoulder by the end. Die hard. It's true, yeah. He really should have died a lot in that movie. Uh, this one was a little lengthy for me, but I'm still going to give it points because I like the... Because uh, that is kind of a... Huh? Kind of moment. So... I'll, I'll let that one... Yeah, we'll give that one points. That one was borderline in my estimation as well, but I think it fit, it, it went okay. It does fit the concept of the game, but it will it will not be in contention for the win. You still get your points, though. Uh, there's at least two that you've mentioned that I'm kind. I didn't. I didn't earmark them, but I've. I've got them on my mind. A fighting game about characters brutally murdering each other. 
they all get better. And of course, it's Mortal Kombat. The only problem with that, with this one, is that it's doesn't really do anything. Like, like I yeah, I understand the fatality thing, but like that doesn't really make me go, huh? Because it's a video game. But I appreciated the direction you're going for, so I'm gonna let you get fifty. That's a fifty. The classic 80s series, The Dukes of Hazard, is now a movie. This time, Bo's gay, Luke's a jackass, Daisy's a blonde, Uncle Jesse's lost weight, we don't get a boss hog, and it attempts to be a bad American Pie sequel. Mm. Nah, that's not really. That's just like, I don't know, that one, I'm not feeling that one. Meh. Uh, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Put put a big old goose egg next to that one. I mean, if you're going to pitch me a, a Dukes of Hazard movie and then just be like, oh, but we're going to change everything, like... You, oh, you, I mean, that's what they did. <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah, that doesn't make me go, huh? I don't know. Not feeling it. We are now at the chase. Owens is... Alleged rapist. <laughs> the hero of the story must defend his home from four evil ghosts. The power to stop these evil spirits is by eating all of his food and taking four pills. <laughs> what? Pac-Man. Oh my god. Well, that's what I'm going for, because that's the first sentence is like, that sounds good. And the second one's like, well, what the f- yeah, that's that's what I'm going for. That's points. Roddy Piper fights aliens wearing his special sunglasses. Unfortunately, he left the bubblegum at home. Uh, you panderer. They live. I just went on a big thing about <clears throat> putting over they live. Because I, I believe it's the best uh, wrestler to screen adaption out there even better than Andre and Princess Bride. Oh, Christ. You're pandering. Throw the glasses! Yeah, you're pandering, but you'll get your points, so. Mm-hmm. Pandering points. Mm-hmm. It's still worth regular, but you ain't getting the win. I have to get big breath on this one. Oh, boy. It's summer. Teenagers, they go to one or two places, the beach or the woods. Guess where they go to? You guessed it, the woods. In a beat-down cabin. It seems all right. Until they find a book with a face on it. And it has some creepy shit written in it. And you'd think they'd leave it by then. But no, they find a recorder. Play the audio that says what's in the book. And, well, bad shit happens. Trees do bad things. But they do more than walk. Unlike those Lord of the Rings films. Anyway, it'll take one brave, chisel-shinned man to stop this evil from spreading. (sighs) Evil dead. No. Points. That was awful. That was just a... No. No. These should have been short entries. Goose egg it. Yep. 
You know what? I'm going to do you one better. Oh, I'm swimming in brown paper bag specials. Oh, what's in the brown paper bags there? Ah, Motor City Machine Gun Dog Tags. Oh, really? I see we got a few extra crates of Victory Road 14. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That was, yeah, that was, no. You can get Victory Road 14 for, we'll pay you a dollar for Victory Road 14 DVDs. Okay, it's time for penultimate entry. This movie franchise was supposed to be an engineer's wet dream until they used a pit of hypodermic needles. Saw. That's that's actually not what I'm going for at all because the first the first sentence didn't make me go awesome, and then the second one, nah. This one doesn't fit the game. This one gets no points. Mm. That's your third zero. There's actually less burials than I thought I might end up doing with this one, but... Uh, And our final entry. A love story on the world's biggest ship ever. Girl, let's guy freeze to death in the ocean. Oh, jeez. Titanic. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I think I can figure that one out. Uh, meh. Eh. I mean, I appreciate the direction it's going in, but it doesn't really, f- like, you didn't really hook me, dog. So, uh, I give that one 50 as well. Okay, 50. All right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't think a lot of people did exactly what I was hoping they were going to do, but... There was a decent effort put out here, and I gave more points than I was expecting, so you guys definitely earned what you got. But I can already tell you which one's going to win. Because it fit the idea of the game, and also did exactly what I wanted it to do. Made me go, intrigued me, and then made me go, what? And that was Pac-Man. Pac-Man, Pac-Man was exactly what I was thinking about. Because I, I didn't even know where that was going. <laughs> so, Pac-Man will get your win. And everybody else, you can take your points. And, uh, you know what? No, no, no. Hold on. Um, that Mel Brooks one, I want you to give that a bonus 25. Because I really like that one, too. Fuck you, Mel Brooks. <laughs> uh, I, I did like that one. So, yeah. Give that give them a bonus because they earned it. Okay. You're a winner. Adrian Cotton. Ah, there he is. Your bonus points, Randy Moyer. Not even a little surprised that Adrian and Randy are two of the two of the guys. And Don Mario was the final entry again. Uh, he was the last guy, so he ended his gimmick. What was what, what was the last one? I don't think I liked the last one. Titanic. Oh, yeah. Eh, meh. And I was first, because 
Your message is over 2,000 characters. You can upload it as a file. There. I mean, there wasn't the worst. It wasn't as bad as I was thinking when I heard you guys were like, me- when you were like kind of messaging me and being like, bunch of shiz happened in here. It was only two people started posting and making up stuff, and I'm like, uh, I think it's supposed to be real. I, I thought I made like, that clear by saying it was supposed to be a famous thing. And then, like, one person was like, but you made your entry up. And I was like, I 100% did not make mine up. Why? What was they yours? They did make the fucking zombies faster than Usain Bolt in that movie. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Oh, that was yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely didn't. Yeah, definitely didn't make that up. I I actually really like that's one of my favorite horror movies actually is the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. I actually do really like that movie. I I liked it so much I bought it, which is rare for me to do. To, to like a movie so much that I buy I like it the original so much that I bought it. It's over here somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's here. And you're not even a horror guy, and you like that so. I'm a zombie guy. I like zombies. And that that's the other thing. I don't even like zombies. I think the zombie thing is so overplayed that, like, I don't even want to deal with them anymore. Like, I don't want any new zombie stuff. And yet, I like that. All right. Well, that was fun. That was fun, guys. I'll, uh, I got the, the little texty deal here that I'm going to, uh, that'll open up. That way, uh, I can copy all over. So I can save all your stuffs and get you guys your points. Till that time, guys. Guess we'll see you next week. Just remember, uh, don't be a scummy human, and maybe your name won't get dragged through the mud. Stay home and watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> wear, wear your mask and don't be stupid. Oh, and Ian Rotten... You're an idiot. You're a dumb motherfucker. (laughs) Super dumb motherfucker. And everyone on that show is going to get sick. Because I've seen seen the spikes going up from all this dumb shit. So, yeah. Anyway, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.